Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Chris Raybon. And this is your NFL Week 15 betting preview, where we will talk about our favorite totals, teasers, money line dogs, and of course, crack open our weekly Sunday six pack, which includes Saturday this week, of against the spread bets with the help of my co-host, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky Stuck. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, brother? Good week. Bounced back from my second losing week of the year. Went five and two on the week and uh more importantly the podcast crushed could have had an eight no <laughs> sides and totals if the uh giants actually got off the bus there was a killer play in that game I and mean, obviously they didn't deserve to cover but it was like fourth and seven it like sums up the new nfl and hertz just throws it up to Devonte smith oh yeah and there's like a safety coming over i think it was julian love who easily like, i could have picked it but if that happens because it was just floated in Credit to Hurts. You just have to throw. You have to you throw that up. It's fourth and seven. Love like misplays the ball and it, score a touchdown on fourth and seven. And you know you don't want the Giants playing from behind. But if that play happens twenty years ago, Devontae Smith is in a, a stretcher, getting carted off of the field uh, because like I mean it was just floated and the safety is coming over and then he's like, well I don't want to hit him and then he just misplayed the ball. But yeah, I mean if that was back in the day, man, he would have been just destroyed but credit to the eagles for getting that done and uh yeah great week for the pod but like i say every week regardless of the results who gives a shit it's on the next week let's get into uh week 15 we got thursday saturday sunday and monday football speaking of a lot of football actually went to two games last week first time i think in my life i went to two games so i saw the baker mayfield comeback live uh on thursday and then i saw the uh i saw you cover with the chargers against the Dolphins on Sunday night. So so that was fun. I'm going to my first NFL game of the season. Like I do every year, I'm going up to Cleveland. No college football, this, a couple of bowl games. But 
uh, able to travel up to Cleveland to go to Browns Ravens, which I am so happy. I, you don't you don't even know how closely I was following NFL reporter updates on the schedule. They pushed it back to the last possible day to determine which games are going to get moved to Saturday. So they're supposed to announce it on a Friday, and they're like, "No, we're going to wait till Monday." And I was like, "Man, it's got to be Ravens Browns." And I would think that the Bills. So I, I think what they did is what I thought it was going to be. But I'm so happy because usually I'll go. It's on if it's on a Sunday. I'm worried about all the other games, and then I'm in. I'll go to the you know the the suite level bar, and I'm just at an NFL game watching all the other games like a bit just at a stadium. It's always nice to go to an NFL game when on an island when there's no other games you have to worry about. Yeah, that's pretty much the only way I'll go. I can't skip out on that whole Sunday red zone. Like that's not not yep. for me. Uh, but uh, we'll get to the Thursday night football game. We'll crack open the uh, week fifteen six pack. Uh, and just to answer the questions that a lot of Listeners, a lot of you have asked, yes, the Action Network podcast will be delivering its usual schedule of episodes throughout the holiday season, recap episodes, player projections, best bets, and these weekly betting previews with Stucky and I will be delivered at the same time, on time, from now all the way through week 18 and really the end of the season for us uh, through the Super Bowl. So uh, don't worry, gamblers. We got you covered. Let's get into Thursday Night Football. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday Night Football. All right, so we have the 49ers going to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. San Francisco favored by three at FanDuel, the official sponsor of the Action Network pod. The total is 43 and a half. Kenneth Walker, the third is off the injury report for Seattle. Uh, looks like Purdy is good to go for San Fran. But uh, no Debo, I guess, is the big news for the 49ers. What do you think of this one? Go to the Action Network app or actionnetwork.com and listen to Big Bets on campus. I was all afternoon just tracking down bowl opt-outs and it's just a non-stop exercise so credit to anyone who grabbed a three and a half once like walker was removed you know debo wasn't going to go i think that's seattle plus three and a half is the right side you know we've been fading seattle a lot recently talked about you know kind of how their their defense is falling apart and some other factors of why they were a bit overvalued I know you had Carolina last week as one of your <laughs> best bets, but I think that this is probably the bottom of the market on Seattle. And that that's assuming that Brock Purdy, there is a drop off between Jimmy G and Brock Purdy, which I think you still have to assume right now. Like you, Jimmy G, if you look at his numbers over the past five or six seasons compared to his backups, you know, whenever like CJ Beathard was in there, Nick Mullins, he was significantly better overall. So a lot of people are like, oh, it's just a Shanahan offense. You can plug in anybody, but, Jimmy, it was always better with Jimmy G. This is still Mr. Irrelevant rookie. He's only had one start, was in a favorable game state against a Buck secondary that basically all went down with injury or were out with injury. You know, and he got to face uh, Miami the week before, which we're not, yeah, I'm not a fan of their secondary as well. So, you know, he's been in favorable states at home. So we'll see. You know, it's only been one plus game, one start. We've seen this a lot with backup quarterbacks before, they look great. For a start or two, you know, you kind of get a book on them. And it's, you know, this is a short week on the road in one of the best atmospheres in the NFL. This is basically, I mean, this is Seattle Super Bowl. They need to win this game. So, yeah, you yeah, still have to assume that Purdy, there's a big drop off to Purdy. And maybe there won't be. 
it, it could end up that he's really good, but you still can't assume that just based on the sample size. The one thing that worries me is just like how many times is, are the 49ers going to run the ball? Five teams have run the ball 40 plus times against the Seahawks this season with a lot of success. That includes the 49ers in the first meeting, which they dominated and Seattle only scored on, I think a blocked punt for a touchdown. The Panthers did the same thing last week, like ran it 40 plus times and Seattle's run defense is just a shell right now. So that would be the one thing that scares me missing the three and a half, which is what I would have bet if I could have got three flat three and a half. I think I might end up teasing the Seahawks, get a little protection maybe tease them up from three to nine. It's like a couple teaser pieces, which we'll talk about in the teaser section. But I do think this is probably the right spot to buy the Seahawks. If this gets to, you know, three and a half minus one fifteen, even uh, at three, it's a little dicier, but uh, those are my thoughts. Yeah. You know, initially I looked at this and I said, yeah, Seattle's the right side, especially at more than a field goal. But I think you kind of hit on it. This run defense is a problem. I mean, San Francisco, we know that's what they're going to do with Purdy uh, being the quarterback, with with McCaffrey, you know, coming on strong here. Even, you know, Jordan Mason's playing well. They still have a defense. You know, Carolina with Sam Darnold, that's a.k.a., you know, no real threat of the pass at all, which is probably I, you could, it's comparable to Purdy and Brandon Ayuk and Kittle. Probably San Francisco probably still more threatening. You know, they ran – they lined up – and ran it 46 times for 222 yards and two touchdowns. And it could have been worse because they threw it four times in a row at the goal line for some strange reason. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about it. You could have had like close to 230 yards, three touchdowns given up on the ground uh, for the Seattle defense. And, you know, they just had it. What did they play? 72 plays four days ago. And then I was kind of thinking about, you know, remember when we had that debate about, Tampa Bay, Seattle on a neutral field, and and you were right about uh, the Bucks. Well, you know Tampa Bay was favored in that one, but I think it was three, three and a half, and San Francisco was favored by three and a half over the Bucks last week, and they blew them out. You know, so it's like now three and a half for the Seahawks. I know they're at home, but I, San Francisco is just rolling, so I it's a stay away for me because I, I don't want to weigh points with Brock Purdy, obviously. But I really do worry about this Seattle run defense against this kind of team, you know, that that wants to run, can run, and can back it up with defense to where the game's not really going to get away from them. Uh, so, yeah, it's a stay away from me. 49ers defense, by the way, balling out about 64 points over the past six games, six straight opponents to yeah. 17 or fewer. The only teams that have done that over the past decade, 2013 Chiefs, 2019 Patriots and 2017 Patriots. That's it. But I mean, the one thing I will say, San Francisco has played a really easy, a really easy schedule overall. So I mean, maybe this is like the top of the market on them, but you got to hope like in these home hype spots, a lot of times what you'll see is like the run defense is juiced early. And they, you they were at that, home against the, the Panthers though. Well, yeah, but that's not like, like this is like the, <laughs> off of a loss, the 49ers Thursday night. And I'm not saying it can last, through the whole game, but like early on, like you just have guys that are juiced up, adrenaline up. So I think that this game will be decided early on. Seattle has to defense has to come up, play up early on the first couple of drives, and then they got to get a lead because that's and then you know Purdy could make a mistake or two. The under actually might be a little more interesting because I mean, if you do think Seattle 
stays within three points. Do you like is Seattle scoring, you know, 24 on this Niner defense? Probably not, right? So no. you're probably talking about, as you mentioned, Purdy making some mistakes uh and, and allowing Seattle to stay in it. So maybe the I probably feel a little better about the under, but it's it's a stay away from me either way. Divisional rematch, outdoors, you know, prime time Thursday night. It all lines up to the under. It's, if you were going to play the total, I would look at the under as well. All right, let's jump in to the week 15 six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. All right. Uh, as you mentioned, great week for us. Five and one on the six pack. You know, you went, you hit almost every all but one pick, but because I swept, now it's back to a 10 point uh, deficit, 54 44. So uh, see if you can make it up before the season ends. Where are you going first? If only we should have counted on that net. We should have counted money line dogs this year. I, I, I know. I know yeah. Not. You got, you got about um, eight to four on me or something like that. Eight to five. All right. For my first pick of the week 15. Sunday six pack. I'm going with the Jacksonville Jaguars plus four and a half at home against the Dallas Cowboys. For what it's worth, this is kind of a sidebar, but I do think that the Jaguars are kind of after last week. This is a team that's I think riding a little high. They beat Tennessee. I think this is if the division's going to end up coming down to the finale, where if Jacksonville just is one game behind and they win that regular season finale, they'll win the division. Um, which I'm really hoping for too, because I bet them to win the division. I think I forget the odds I got. Um, but anyway, uh, I like them here at this number plus four and a half. There's just a lot of injury concerns for this Dallas team. You're going to have, you lost Terrence Steele and you saw what happened to that offense last week against the Texans. It They couldn't figure anything out. You know, you're going to get Terrence Smith back, but you're moving right tackles and left tackles around going into this week. By the way, the Cowboys also have the Eagles next week. So this is like a, a you know, you escape Houston. Now you're going to Jacksonville. A little bit of a, a flat, trappy look-ahead spot here with the Eagles on deck. But I just think that in general, Trevor Lawrence, overall, if you look at his trending numbers, we talked about how inconsistent he's been. But since week eight or nine, he's been really good overall. And the Dallas secondary has issues due to injuries lost a couple guys at cornerback, and it, I was stunned to watch Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll with Chris Moore as their primary target move the ball on this Cowboys defense. And I, on, you know, on the other side of the ball, I mentioned like shuffling offensive line guys around. The passing game just isn't clicking right now, and we know that the Jacksonville run defense – is good. That's the strength of their team. So I'm not sure that with these tackles moving around, the Dak's going to be able to drop back and then just pick apart this Jacksonville secondary. I do think that they'll move the ball some, but I think Jacksonville can keep up here. This is a team that if you just flipped all of the one possession results, so all your one possession losses are wins, all your one possession wins are losses, the Jacksonville Jaguars will be the number one seed in the AFC. This is a team that plays every game – Close for the most part outside of the when they faced the, the powerhouse lines when uh Lawrence got hurt. But their you know, their second biggest loss of the year was by 10 at Kansas City. They've been in so many close games. I think they'll keep this close. 
I don't think that all of the injuries on both sides of the ball for Dallas are being properly accounted for. I think that Dallas is most dangerous when that run game is going and just grinding uh, and grooving. So I don't think that they can necessarily do that consistently against Jacksonville. So yeah, give me the the upswing Jags here at home in just a massive game for them. If they win this game and Tennessee goes down at the Chargers, we'll talk about that in a bit. They're in prime position to win this division. So yeah, give me the Jags here. Yeah, I make this around three, three and a half. So uh, I'm with you. Um, you know, I guess the only thing, like you said, to worry about is Lawrence's inconsistency. This is a defense that should play well against though because remember defenses that Lawrence has tended to struggle with and you tend to see the down games and it's kind of inexplicable have been these man coverage defenses uh that blitz a lot Dallas not really doing that Dallas is sitting back in a lot of zones I think they're top three in in zone coverage rate and they don't with they blitz like, like an average rate they don't need to blitz a ton because they do have that pass rush but uh you know unless they change something up drastically here this does profile as one of those defenses that Lawrence uh, would play well against. Obviously, they're, they're more talented than the most defenses, but as you said, dealing with some injuries uh, in the secondary. So it should be a good spot for for the Jaguar. This is this is an important game for for Lawrence just to kind of fully arrive. Like if they could they could pull this one out against one of the top teams in the league, uh, I think people would feel a lot better about his future. Yeah, I mean the Cowboys also have some. They're dealing with some nagging injuries up front on their defensive line. You know, they've lost a couple of corners and, I, I, you know, I mean, they, I don't know what they're going to do on the offensive line, but it's going to be a reshuffled unit for one week on the road, like the for, for the first week. And, you know, you might have Jason Peters at right tackle, Josh Ball, who's horrendous. He might be in there. They were, I think they were rotating last week. I don't know what they're going to do. I personally might like, yeah, I think you saw some of those injuries show last week against the Texans. And I think the Jaguars can take advantage. And again, what's a really bad spot for the Cowboys, like Eagles on deck here going on the road to face the Jags who have been feisty. I think that they're undervalued. So uh, Duval, let's go. For my first pick in the second overall of the week 15 six pack, I am going with the New York Giants plus four and a half at FanDuel at the Washington Commanders. And listen, the commanders are obviously much better with Heineke under uh, as opposed to Wentz. We know that. But you're talking about four and a half points in a divisional matchup late in the year in a game where they just played two weeks ago and it was a 2020 tie. The Giants were leading that game for by seven for pretty much the last 20 minutes until Washington gets a, a, a big play, a big pass play to tie the game up. Uh, and the Giants then miss a game-winning field goal in overtime. So you're telling me that, you know, just coming off the bye is worth and, – and combined with Washington's home field is worth four points here. Not to me. You know, Heineke, okay, he's playing well. But that matchup against Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones only threw six incompletions against Washington in that game. He outplayed Heineke. Better passer rating, 104 to 101. He took fewer sacks and sack yardage, four, four sacks for 18. Heineke was sacked five times for 29. Uh, and Jones added 71 on the ground. Heineke just six. So, you know, this Heineke love, I think, has gotten a little too far. Washington minus four and a half represents their largest spread of the season. So, of course, I'm going to fade Washington at their largest spread of the season when, on the other side, 
you have this giant team that, you know, I know they didn't come through for you last week, but this is still a team that, you know, with Brian Dable, they've won more games than they've lost as outright as an underdog this season. And then Daniel Jones. What's he like 10 and 0 against the spread on the road as a dog of under, under like nine? Daniel Jones. So I, I got 11 and 1, 92% against the spread on the road as an underdog by seven and a half or less. And then overall, 14 and 5 uh, as a road underdog, 74%, uh, 3 and 1 this season. So, you know, this is the kind of spot where it's not going to be pretty, but, you know, this is not, you know, this is not the Eagles. Like Washington's cool. They're improved. They have a good defense. Their offense is a little better with Heineke than it is Wentz, but, this is still a Washington team that's 27th in offensive DVOA. The Giants are 14th. So, you know, there's kind of this, I think this Heineke thing is like, is like getting a little too crazy here. Uh, the Giants should be healthier. You know, Saquon Barkley played a season low 20 snaps, got a season low 11 touches last week. So he should be ready to go this week. Leonard Williams, you get him back. He's ranked eighth of 125 interior linemen at PFF. Daniel Bellinger, the tight end. Uh, should be back after he was in and out uh, last week. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think this giant team getting healthier uh, tied this team should have won a couple of weeks ago, going on a road where they, for some reason, tend to play better. And you look at Heineke in, in this Washington team and yeah, he's covered a ton, but two point win against green Bay, one point win against Indianapolis lost to Minnesota. Uh, they beat the Texans by 13 and then they got that, that big win over the Eagles uh, by 11. That was really their only quality win because they beat Atlanta by six, but they should have lost that game. Atlanta had like first and goal uh, to win the game and just Marcus Mariota throws a tip ball interception. So, you know, this Washington team really, uh, to me, is not should not be favored by four and a half, especially against this giant team that all year has just found a way to keep games close. So give me the G-men. Oh, and let me also mention that this is a great spot to buy teams. Uh, Indianapolis is another one. But these underdogs coming off blowout losses, when you have an underdog coming off a loss of 20-plus points, 106-69-3, against the spread since 2017, 11-4-1, and 73% uh, this season. So give me the G-men plus 4.5 at Washington. Yeah, I would agree here. The one thing that would concern me is just like the Washington played the Giants, then had a bye, and then plays the Giants again. And then the Giants played the Eagles in between. So I think that's a pretty big advantage. You have like two weeks to prepare for the same exact opponent that you just played while the Giants, you know, were playing the Eagles. But uh, I do show value in this number. The Giants are always feisty in the spot on the road. Like Taylor Heineke, I think he's like the new Jameis Winston. Like he's, <laughs> he's kind of like a, a guy that, it's going to make some risky throws. It's going to hit some. He's going to make some turnovers. And like we always talked about how Winston, we love backing him as a dog, yep. but hate when he's a favorite. Um, and I do think Heineke still has some turnover regression coming. Um, so, yeah, I think that this one should be close. These two teams just saw each other. I think it'll be lower scoring. So the four and a half is really valuable. So don't disagree with you. All right, where are you going for your second? Uh, all right, for my second pick of the Week 15 Sunday six-pack, I'm going with the New York Football Jets plus one at home against the Detroit Lions at FanDuel. Uh, look, the Lions are playing 
extremely good football. We've been on them for yeah. weeks on, on this podcast. Weeks. I mean, let's see. Yeah, I mean, going all I, – I can't even remember the last time we weren't I, on I, them. I, the way I know we were on them is because I took a rare favorite. I took them as a favorite last week. Like, you know I don't yep. – I probably take, like, four or five favorites all year on this podcast. So, yeah, we, we've been we've been all over them. Yeah, money line against the Giants. We have them against the Bills on Thanksgiving. Jaguars. Jaguars. Yep. Um, the Packers against the Packers. Yeah, we've been on them forever. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is still – this is – what is everyone talking about right now? The roar is restored – um, the Lions are back. The Lions, no one wants to play them if they get in the playoffs. All might be true, but what are all those signals of? It's they're probably oversold. And I think that's the case here. Since Mike White, it looks like he is going to give it a go and play. The Lions almost a month ago to the day, month ago yesterday, were plus three at Chicago. Plus three at Chicago. Now they are favored or plus one at the Jets. That's that's crazy because what you have to remember is this is still Jared Goff outdoors, not been great historically, especially when you can get pressure, which the Jets can do. And this is still a Lions defense, which is improving, but is extremely vulnerable. The Jets will be able to move the ball. I think Goff will have some struggles outdoors. You got to remember in that game against the Bears, by the way, which has turned their season around, they were plus three on the road at Chicago, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And they got out gained like 408 to 323 yards per play were seven for the bears, five and a half for the lions entire game changed on a awful Justin Fields pick six late because the lions were dead and buried in that game. People forget now people forget that that game happened and they've been playing well and they deserve credit for that. And I bumped them a lot in my power ratings, but you know, they beat a fraudulent Vikings team. They beat the Jags in an awful spot. They beat the Giants, who are just fading into oblivion. And then, you know, they hung with the Bills. That's it. I mean, so like, and a lot of these games were against bad defenses or indoors. This is a different situation. December, Jets playing for their playoff hopes as well at home. Mike White's going to be in there. Offense has been a lot better. And I think this is just the right time to sell the lines. Um, So give me the Jets here at home plus one up to minus one is fine. Uh, I think that this should be the line if Zach Wilson was playing. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I am selling high on the Lions. Yeah, it's been a good run. Be mentally prepared for that moment in the game where Mike White gets weighed out and misses like three plays. Zach Wilson is going to come in because he's the backup this week and not not uh, Flacco. So you, you might get some Wilson uh, whether you like it or not. But uh, yeah, you know, the, this Jet team, look, their defense is a weak. This Jets defense held Buffalo to pretty much nothing for, what, a quarter and a half? Uh, almost the whole entire first half uh, of last week. And, and that was Buffalo. And, and, and Detroit, they're playing really well on offense, but they're still not Buffalo. So, yeah, this Jets defense can hang with anybody. They're at home. Uh, you know, the Lions, the one thing I wish is we had more of a sample of the Lions outdoors with this full complement of weapons just, to, you know, to make sure. Cause you now they do have James Williams. Now they do have, you know, Swift is healthier. So they are, they do have a bunch of guys that they really didn't have in a lot of these road games because they have played three at home. So their last road game was November 20th. You know, it was before Thanksgiving was the last time they played on the road, but uh, either way. But if you go back yeah. to those Rams teams, golf outdoors, mm-hmm. you know, late in the season, 
if you True. look at the difference yeah. between yeah. you know the their output indoors in good weather versus outdoors it's always been a thing regardless like they're they're going up against an elite defense it is outdoors like it's going to slow any team down and so like i do think that the lions will be able to move the ball some their offense is playing too well right now um but i also think that the jet the jets will be able to move the ball some on this lions defense which is improving but it just it's still not a great defense so I think that if you look at both sides of the ball, the Jets defense and the Lions offense, really good matchup. And I, but I think the Lions will move the ball some. Jets are going to contain them. Goff will have, I think, some poor throws. But that's a really good matchup. You could say the way the Lions are playing, maybe they're on par. But I think that the Jets offense with Mike White has a bigger advantage over the Lions defense, which is the clear weakest unit in this game. So I think that's ultimately going to be the difference. Jets defense will come up with some stops, particularly in the red zone, and uh, the Jets will be able to sustain a few more drives and get this victory at home uh, and then end this line streak. I think they've covered like six in a row. So usually when that happens in the NFL, you're probably near the peak of your market. And like everyone is talking about the Lions. I mean, everyone I talk to wants to bet the Lions. So, and I'm not, it's not like this line is not attracting Lions money. People are a lot of people are still betting the line, so I'm like, all right, I'm not crazy. So yeah, give me the Jets. All right, for my second pick and the fourth overall of the week, fifteen six pack, I'm gonna go with the Atlanta Falcons plus four and a half at FanDuel at the New Orleans Saints, and this is just a bet on the uncertainty that comes with starting a rookie quarterback in Desmond Ritter. You know, Marcus Mariota, if you haven't heard, uh, was benched and then just elected to have some season-ending knee surgeries. So uh, it's going to be Ritter's squad from here on out. We're, we're talking about four and a half points here. So, you know, we're going through the three and through the four. Uh, you know, obviously, I still like it at, at more than a field goal, but I mean, I, I love it at this number because pretty much you have a, a lot of margin for error with this Falcon team because, remember, this was already an offense that was 12th in DVOA. This is an offense that was 16th in passing DVOA, even with Mariota, uh, and 6th in rushing. So this offense is better than the Saints, you know, even with, you know, even with a quarterback that they didn't really, you know, feel great about, just a bridge quarterback. You know, the Saints are 21st, 23rd offense, uh, 21st passing. So the Mariota Falcons are better than the Dalton Saints with a little bit of Winston mixed in. Uh, and, you know, if if Ritter is just a wash, if he's the same as Mariota, we're still talking about uh, I'm getting a team with the better offense plus four and a half. And not only just the better offense, Atlanta, you know, despite their defense, which is, you know, by the metrics, it's been bottom three. It hasn't been good. But this Atlanta team in overall DVOA is 16th. New Orleans is 22nd. So Atlanta has been the better team. And we're getting them plus four and a half in a division game. Both teams coming off a bye, so should be no – I know we're in New Orleans here, but both teams playing doors, both teams coming off a bye. Shouldn't be a, a major, major advantage for the for the Saints here. So I, I like getting Atlanta here, and there's a pretty decent chance that Ritter could actually be better than Mariota. There's a chance that he could uh, allow Arthur Smith to do more with the offense, you know, throw the ball more, throw the ball downfield more. A lot of different things uh, that Ritter might unlock. And Ritter still gives you something with his legs as well. So uh, like getting uh, the four and a half here. Yeah, I don't have a really good feel on this game, but I, and 
we'll see what we get from Ritter. But I will say pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top notch thanks to German engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. This is like the right time to do it. I mean, Mariota surgery, but it's off a bye, right? Rookie quarterback. You've had two weeks to prepare. And we've seen, how many times have we seen these quarterbacks, whether or not they end up becoming good or not, in their first start, have success. The other team doesn't have a book on them. So I think that that's, you know, there's an advantage there as well. But overall, I don't have a great feel, but uh, I can certainly see your logic. But what would uh, you have some trends here? Remember the Falcons, I think we were on the Falcons week one and they ended up covering against the Saints team. You look at teams that have that lost the first head to head matchup uh, and they're playing in the rematch and they're a dog by three or more. They are 198, 115 and 11, 63% against the spread uh, since 2003, four and one. This season, uh, you know, in week 15, when you have an underdog facing a favorite with a sub 500 record, 43, 30 and one against the spread, 59% since 05. And uh, in week 15, when you have a road dog uh, on a losing streak against the spread of anywhere from one to three games, which the Falcons have lost a couple in a row, uh, failed to cover a couple in a row after that hot start, 45, 28 to 62% uh, against the spread. And of course, you still have, you know, dogs by more than a field goal, the total 47 or less this year, 60-35, 63% against the spread. So uh, I just think this is too many points, uh, even with the uncertainty for Ritter, because this has been a, a pretty decent offense. So even if Ritter is worse, I mean, you could, you know, the Falcons are 12th on offense, the the, uh, the Saints are 23rd. Like you still have a margin of error where uh, the Falcons could still be the, the better offense in this spot. I'll be rooting for you. And I hope that, I don't have to watch too much of uh well, actually no, I want to I actually yeah, want to you see wanna see game. you want to see Ritter. I want to see Ritter. Anytime um, the new quarterback. I am just tired of the and I, I'm I'm gonna be watching the Bucs because I have money on them. We'll talk about this Steelers Panthers game. I'm just so tired of them watching the NFC South. All right. For my third pick of the week 15 Sunday six pack, I'm going with the Tampa Bay Bucks plus three and a half against the Cincinnati Bengals. I hate doing this i hate i don't we're trying to think have we early in the season i mean the bucks yeah. i've covered maybe once you couldn't figure out the bucks i've actually had a good handle on the bucks i bet them against the seahawks yep 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 the bucks have not been good it's been ugly but i think that this is just a perfect buy low sell high spot it's also a dog off of a big loss like you just mentioned fits yep. all those trends i just lost by 28 now they're catching three and a half at home the reason for that is because they just got blown out 
everyone saw it. And Cincinnati has been on a roll. I mean, this is a team that beat, and they've covered like I think thirteen of their past fourteen. I think, I think, it's, I think is, it's like uh, eighteen of their past twenty-one, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah they've, it's they've great. been covering machines. I think this is the top of the market here. It's right around a key number, and I think that we're getting like a half a point to a point more on the bucks than we should because of market perception over the past few weeks. And it's right around one of the most important or the most important number in the NFL. So I'll happily take the three and a half here. Like I do think that the bucks will have a number of defensive backs return. Um, if, and Antoine Winfield is so important. He said, look, he's going to play today. We'll see if he does. Um, Murphy bunting practice today. Bowles said he's the closest to playing. Um, you know, you could see, you know, I think Dean is going to be out. Vita Vey is going to be out. Tristan Wirth is still on the offensive side, so it's not a full-strength team. But the same can be said for the Bengals. The Bengals have been so healthy this year, and who knows if you can trust their injury report anymore, but that's another story. Yeah, but it looks like Hayden Hurst is going to be out. Higgins still dealing with a hamstring, which usually lingers. Looks like Boyd is going to miss time. So this is a receiving core, especially when, once you include the tight end, that's really decimated. You know, if you look back at their results over the past few weeks, I mean, they've been winning games and covering, but they've been close. Now they're also going to be missing their one of their best pass rushers, it looks like. I assume Hendrickson is going to miss, which is important since Wirfs is out. So this isn't a full-strength Bengals team. Another big game for them, fourth in a row. Uh, on the road here, I think that they're just oversold in the market or overbought, I should say, and I'm going to sell them catching three and a half with the Bucks at home. I think that there's a really high likelihood that this game ends Bengals by three. So, I mean, if this is three, I wouldn't take it, but you're going to give me the hook around the three. Good buy low, sell high spot on Tampa. I'm rolling with the Bucks here. Yeah, Tampa Bay has been more competitive at home. You know, with, you know, they, they go on the road, they get blown out by San Francisco. They lose to Cleveland on the road in the game. They were favored. They, they end up losing by six in overtime. But, uh, you know, they, they beat the Rams at home. They only lost the Ravens by five at home. They beat the Falcons at home. Chiefs, they kind of, they hung in there, lost by 10. Uh, and they had that two-point loss to the Packers. But on the road is where you really see some of their, their uglier games, that 21-3 loss to Carolina. You know, the loss to Cleveland and then the loss to, to the Niners. So they really... Yeah, they they've really underperformed, and then they lost the upset to Pittsburgh too. I think they were what nine, eight, nine point favorites in that game. So their last four road games have been disastrous. So I I do think if you are getting on the uh, on the Bucks, you want to do it in a spot like this when they are uh, at home. All right, for my third pick and the sixth overall of the week fifteen six pack, I'm gonna go with the Indianapolis Colts plus four and a half. At the Minnesota Vikings, and this is just uh, kind of a bet on uh, the Colts bouncing back here. We tend to see that, you know, as bad as a team may look the game before, uh, they tend to bounce back. I already mentioned it, but underdogs coming off a loss of 20 or more points are 106-69-3, 61% against the spread since 2017, 11-4-1 this season. I, I think the also, Bi- also, if you look at teams giving up 50 you know, mm-hmm. losing by that much, all those, and then you're off of a bye. And I'm and sorry to interrupt you, but if you look at the Colts who have been just horrific, I think that weighs on people's minds. Like, do you see these games where it's like, oh, my God, look how bad they look. But if you go back this year, you know, they lost 24 to nothing to the Jags in, in a, just an embarrassing game. 
The next week they beat the Chiefs at home. Their other really bad loss was they lost 26 to 3 to the Patriots in their worst offensive game in 20 years. The next week they won at the Raiders. So in their two the two only two games that they got blown out this year prior to last week, they actually won outright as an underdog the following week and now you're coming off of a bye after your third straight upset. And that just speaks to kind of the don't overreact to results. You're never really as bad as you looked the week before, but God. Yeah, I think the bye week is great for this team in general. You know, a coach like Jeff Saturday, who's just kind of getting his feet wet, to have a bye this late and be able to kind of regroup and assess after four games, which is usually, that's yeah, it's a good sample size. Uh, and so I think, you know, you'll see schematically probably their best game plan yet. I think you'll see some adjustments. Uh, a running back like Jonathan Taylor bye week is important. You know, he's averaging 22 touches per game this season and they're going to use him a ton in this one. So, you know, he hasn't been fully healthy this year. This might be the healthiest he is now coming off the bye. You know, this Minnesota defense, this, this is a bad defense. I mean, last week they forced two punts uh, on 10 line drives. Detroit scored in five of its last six possessions. The only one they didn't score was a missed field goal. So essentially once Detroit got in the in a rhythm, they just couldn't stop them. And the week before, we saw something similar against the Jets with Mike White. You know, the Jets scoring five straight drives starting you know the second quarter and extended to you know into the second half. And, and then the, the sixth one, they could have scored six. It was a turnover on downs at the one yard line. So this Viking defense just goes through these stretches where they just can't stop anyone. Uh, they're 26th in DVOA against number one receivers. And they're allowing the fourth most schedule adjusted receiving yards per game to number one. So Michael Pittman this year, he's been a little up and down, but when he gets 50 or more yards, which again, the Vikings are giving up, you know, 87 schedule adjusted. If he gets 50 or more yards, that's happened nine times this year. The Colts are four, four and one straight up in those games. Uh, and two of those losses were by one point. So they would have gone seven and two against the spread versus a, a, a line of four and a half, uh, or really any line above one. Uh, you know, in this uh, in this spot here. So I think that that's important. And you look at this Minnesota team. Yes, they're 10 and three. You know, they finally figured out how to, to pull out some of these close games, but they're being outgained 404 to 342 on average. They're being out negative point, negative point differential. And they're 10 and three, too. Yeah, they're, they be, I mean, they're being outgained by 62 yards a game. Now, would you guess the Colts are outgaining their opponents? on average, by four, three yards a game, 318 to 315. So the Colts are actually outgaining their opponents. Minnesota getting outgained by 62 yards. So what's really going on here? Well, obviously, if you see the Colts, you know it's that turnover. It's the turnovers, you know. But turnovers tend to revert to the mean. So Indianapolis, they're a minus 14 in turnover differential. Minnesota's a plus six. And that, that explains a lot of why – in general, Minnesota's been one of the luckiest teams in the league this year. Indianapolis's been one of the unluckiest. Uh, we have our Action Network luck rankings. Minnesota, the second luckiest. Indianapolis, 28th. When you have a luck differential of more than 15, which you do here, it's a differential of 26 with the Colts' bottom five and the Vikings' top five. 28 and 20, 58% since week three when we started tracking it. So these are the kind of spots where you want to – kind of, as you mentioned, kind of fade the perception of some of the bad memories of the Colt team. You know, they got rolled by Dallas. Uh, it'll happen. Dallas is one of the better teams in the league. I mean, we saw Minnesota get rolled by Dallas as well. You know, it's the, so it's really, you know, what, what are we really talking about here? 
And uh, in these specific kind of spots, because remember, not only is Indianapolis coming off a bye, which should benefit them in a, a lot of ways, but Minnesota, because this game is on a Saturday, Minnesota is going to be on short rest. So when you have a, a small road dog of two, two and a half to seven uh, against a, a home favorite on short rest, the road dog 47 and 23 with four pushes, 67% against the spread going back to 2005. Uh, and just, a, you know, it, week 15 is one of those weeks where, you know, favorites have kind of been doing their thing, you know, historically weeks 12 to 14, you see favorites start covering more. The market starts to adjust. Week 15 has historically been a big underdog week. So just week 15 road dogs coming off of a loss, 55, 32 and two. 63% uh, against the spread since 2005. And that's not accounting for how big the loss was, you know, how good or bad the team is just straight up coming off a loss. Uh, they're covering over 60% of the time. And uh, when you have a week 15 road dog on a, a losing streak of one to three games, 45, 22 and two 67% against the spread since 2005. So uh, the trends line up. I don't think there's uh, as big of a gap between these two teams as the records indicate. And uh, just hoping Matt Ryan does not turn the ball over five times uh, in this one. So give me the Indianapolis Colts plus four and a half at Minnesota on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. And there's some teams that we have like a really good feel on. I mean, and some teams we've had a really bad feel on this whole year. The Colts are one of them that we've had a good feel on. You know, kind of bought them after the Patriots game uh-huh. a couple weeks, got off them. And the, re- and the reason we talked about that, why we didn't, like them against the Colts or the Cowboys is both of those teams ability. And this, this, this is why the turn, their turnovers aren't all luck when they play teams that just can generate relentless elite pressure against the statuesque, you know, old Matt Ryan, it's going to lead to bad things, but that's not the case here. You're not facing a defense that generates elite pressure. Um, their pressure rate, I think is probably around 20th in the league. Um, uh, they're actually lower than that. Minnesota is 24th in pressure rate, and uh, and they're not going to blitz either. So they're just going to kind of sit back. They don't play much man coverage. They're just going to kind of sit back and uh, you know let the let the Colts do what they got to do. Yeah, Cousins was a mess the last time he saw this Colts defense for what it was worth. But yeah, I think this is this time to buy the Colts. Good spot off by, and like the that Cowboys game, like I mentioned, they bounced back from their last two blowout up, upsets perfectly fine with outright wins as road underdogs. Even the Vikings win this game. They won nine. Their last nine wins have all been by one possession. Yeah. So it's a good chance they win this game by a field goal, but they're due to lose one of these close games. Eventually Vikings on short rest. So yeah, I think it's the right time to buy the Colts. All right. So that is going to wrap it for the week 15 six pack. Let's see. We got some Mike White, Tom Brady, Trevor Lawrence, Daniel Jones, Desmond Ritter, and Matt Ryan. So, yeah, another kind of full spectrum of, of quarterbacks here. Brady and Ryan. Don't expect many scrambles if you're following us on those games. Not Mike White either, really. Uh, yeah. We have to be taking all those hits. Okay, so, yeah, to recap, Stuck has the Jags plus four and a half, the Jets plus one, and the Bucks plus three and a half. And I have the G-Men plus four and a half. G-Men. Falcons plus four and a half. And the Colts plus four and a half. Uh, that one is... Lots of dogs. I, I have so many dogs this week. So it was music to my ears when you said week 15. Let's hope that uh, we get another week 15 dog week. Because uh, 
Lots of dogs for me and us this weekend. 15 and 16 tend to be the weeks, uh, historically anyway, obviously anything can happen, but historically 15 and 16 have been the weeks where the dogs tend to bounce back. Cause you know, it always goes in ebbs and flows. Like you start the season, dogs are usually great, uh, especially the first, you know, couple, two, three, four weeks. Then you start to see favorites rebound a little bit, you know, they get undervalued uh, and then, you know, kind of evens out, but uh, favorites really start to pick up steep, or steam around Thanksgiving. And well, we, we've uh, seen that the last couple of weeks, favorites have been killing it yeah, when yeah. they were. So, and I think that, and that's factored into a lot of my, a lot of our reasoning today is just like, I mean, look at the, the Bengals. And like, I think that some of these favorites that have been killing it are a bit overvalued. And some of these dogs that have been losing are a bit undervalued. So uh, hopefully it's a good buy low, sell high storm. And we have six dogs all from one to four and a half points. So we don't have any of those, like, you know, like, I, you know, I was tempted to maybe take the bears or something like that, but I, you know, we don't have any of those. Like all of our dogs are live dogs here, you know, and now it's time for the week 15 coaches pep talk. This is by far the worst team that has ever sat in this locker room. You don't deserve a locker room. You should be playing without uniforms. There's not one of you, not one of you that's learned how to win. This week's Coach's Pep Talk comes to us from our boss man, Action Network content, Concho Chad Millman, courtesy of the Favorites podcast. And we're dedicating this one to Jeff Saturday. Uh, you know, dedicated it a couple to Hackett, and he got it done these last few weeks. So this week we really need, uh, at least I really need, Jeff Saturday to uh, to get his team up, bounce back after after some disappointing showings and uh, and take it to this overrated Vikings team. So it's for you. By Jeff. the way, I hope you I hope you never doubted the Broncos plus nine <laughs> last week, down twenty seven nothing. Our pep talks have worked, so let's uh, let's send this to. We don't have any Broncos money this week, so let's send it to Saturday. Yeah, I just want you to punch a hole in their fucking chest, run it up their fucking throat. Hit people in the fucking mouth. That's it. All right, let's jump into our favorite total of the week. All right, I'll start this one off after, I mean, both of our totals last week. Talk about some unders that were never in doubt. I don't think either of our totals had like a point for what, the entire first quarter, maybe into the second, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it was just, like, you, you kind of knew those were going to hit with Cincinnati and, uh, and the Jets game like that. So hopefully we can keep it going this week. Uh, I'm going Carolina Pittsburgh under 37 and a half. I mean, what are we really talking about here? Sam Darnold versus either Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph, who apparently split first team reps this week, which, you know, he's been the third string quarterback pickets in the concussion protocol. But if he didn't have a real chance to start, I doubt he would be splitting first team reps with Trubisky. So a uh, good chance we could get Mason Rudolph here. These, this day and age with this new NFL concussion protocol, you usually don't see guys clear it in in a week. So uh, bet, betting, we get uh, we get one of the backups for Pittsburgh. And, okay, this Panther team, you know, this week, not going to go with a Panthers bet. Uh, you know, don't see a ton of value either way. You know, if you're betting, if you're betting against the Panthers them, whisper. Yeah, I mean, if you're betting against them, then, you know, you do have the Tomlin spot, but you know, they are at home. They've been kind of rolling. And again, Pittsburgh might start a third stringer, but if you bet on them, then you're going against the Tomlin, you know, spot. So it, it's, I'd rather go with the under here. And that's because we saw last week, what did Carolina have success with? Running the football. They 
again, ran it over 40 times for over 200 yards. And when they tried to throw the ball, which I don't know why, of all things, you would ever try to throw the ball four straight times at the goal line with Sam Darnold. But I digress. We know that that's not the strength of the team. Well, Pittsburgh, number 11 in run defense, DVOA. They've been good against the run all year, except, for, except last week they did have some hiccups. But that is a Raven team that, you know, they got Ronnie Stanley back. They had their backs healthy. I think they kind of caught Pittsburgh off guard a little bit there. And, you know, it was, it is what it is, but I still, I do expect Pittsburgh to be able to stop the run here. Uh, Pittsburgh's issue has been explosive pass plays. You know, they, they give up an NFL high 11.7 yards per completion and they give up the six highest rate of 20 plus yard passing plays uh, at 15 and a half percent. But you don't really have to worry about that as much with a team like the Carolina Panthers, because Carolina, in Sam Darnold's two starts, has called a design run. And this is excluding kneel downs. So not even uh, using kneel downs here. They've called a designed run on 64% of their plays. They've had 136 plays that weren't kneel downs, and they've called a run 64% of the time. And you could get even more runs, you know, if you got like a quarterback scramble or something. I'm not even counting that uh, with Sam Darnold. So you saw that against kind of with the Ravens in Pittsburgh. Baltimore runs for over 200 yards. They, they're they very efficient on the ground, but Baltimore only had 23 called passes. I think only 15 pass attempts in that game. And so it still ends, what, 16 to 14. Because, you know, if you, if you play a team like the Bengals and Burrow, they're going to throw the ball on you. That's when Pittsburgh's defense starts giving up a big number. But, uh, you know, I, I trust Pittsburgh's defense in this spot against Carolina and you look at Pittsburgh's D coming on strong lately held each of their last three opponents to 16 to 17 points Indy Atlanta Baltimore not exactly a murderous row of offenses but again neither is Carolina you go back even further Pittsburgh has held six of its last eight opponents to 18 points or less the two exceptions Philly put up 35 and Cincinnati put up 37 those are two of the best offenses in the league so against a team like this Pittsburgh should reliably allow uh, under 20 points. And then on the other side, Pittsburgh's only averaging 15.3 points per game on the road in seven road games. They've been held under 20 points in five of their seven road games. Uh, and they're averaging about four and a half points less per game on the road than they are at home. And Carolina, just 15 and a half points per game allowed over their past four. And at home under Wilkes, They've only played three games at home under Steve Wilkes since he took over. Three points allowed, 15 points allowed, 10 points allowed. So they haven't even allowed more than 15 at home. Uh, the average is 9.3 under Wilkes. And Pittsburgh is running more these days, too. They've, they've called a design run over 45% of the time in their last three games after doing so about 36% of the time in their first 10. So uh, I think both of these teams run a lot. I think both of these teams have – a lot of trouble scoring. I think both of these teams play conservatively. You know, I think you can always count on Tomlin to kick a field goal in a spot where maybe he should go for it. And the Panthers uh, kind of the same way. Tomlin rode under 73, 53 and one all time, 58%. Give me under 37 and a half in Carolina, Pittsburgh. Yeah, don't hate it at all. I get more confused by the concussion protocol with each passing week. So I kind of started to get a grasp like, for the most part, all the data I have says, like, if you get the concussion the week before, you're like, after the Tua stuff, you're pretty much, like, 90% of people are out, right? Mm -hmm. 
So like that's become my assumption. But then it's like this week, Russell Wilson, there's like word that he's might play. He was, he was knocked unconscious. Um, but early in the week, they're like, we only care about health. And then he's at practice today and people are like, he's trending up. And then Tyler Huntley, who gets like bent backwards, gets a concussion. It looks like he's trying to play. So like, what, what's going on? Well, I think it still depends on whether you actually had a concussion or not. I, I think, I think Huntley didn't actually get a concussion. I believe he, he said that on uh I want to say maybe it was Marlon Humphrey's IG live or something. I forget where he said it, but I, I'm pretty sure I saw Huntley say, maybe it was just an interview, but that, that he didn't actually get a concussion. I think Pickett got one. I'm pretty sure Russ got one. So I think Russ is kind of, you're, you're still allowed to like, I think you're allowed to what practice with a non-contact jersey on or something like that. Uh, so sometimes you see these quarterbacks participate in practice, uh, but they still have to get cleared. Uh, so I think the thinking with Huntley is just that I don't think he had a concussion, so he'll probably get cleared. Wilson, I would guess, it's more gamesmanship. I, you know, I don't, I doubt that he actually gets cleared. Uh, I mean, he could. If he plays, it's going to confuse me yeah. more yeah. about this. Cause he's a quarterback who got knocked unconscious, who had a concussion the week yeah. before. And, and to be honest, I think, you know, Hackett kind of alluded earlier in the week to like, you were going to kind of prioritize his safety. So, I mean, I, I would, I would highly doubt that he actually plays, but you know, that sometimes some, every team is different with, you know, how direct they are with injuries. Like some, you know, will kind of give you, okay, they'll rule a guy out on like Tuesday, even if you don't, you don't have to, to like Friday or Saturday. And, and some teams will kind of do what the Bengals do, what the Patriots do, put everyone on the, so it's all different, but yeah, I I, I would expect, I do expect Huntley to clear, um, but Wilson, I, I, I doubt it. I'm picking, I doubt it. Um, right, for my favorite total, uh, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs, Houston Texans under, 49 and a half. I just think that this total has gone up too much. It's risen a bit. Not sure why. And historically, if you look at these big favorites in totals that are above 45, the under has been a good bet historically over the past 30 years. Reason for that is either the underman team, you know, steps up and usually that's on defense and they try to keep this close or the favorite, which in this case, the chiefs go up by a lot and they sit on it. What did what just like we saw in, what was Miami up 35, nothing at the half. And um, that game still stayed under, I believe somehow. No, yeah. It was like, um, it was like 28 or, or 27, nothing. And then yeah, 27, like 30, nothing 30, 15. It was under 45 and a half by the way. I have yeah. 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 Um, and now you have a Texans team that might not have, well, won't have Damian Pierce at running back. Nope. They likely, well, they won't have Nico Collins or they won't have Brandon Cooks. They might not have Nico Collins. It's going to be, you know, Davis Mills throwing to Chris Moore or Jeff Driscoll in there who played well last week, but you kind of saw the, the Chiefs now got to see like what the Texans are doing with them. I think that just some of the Driscoll packages caught the Cowboys off guard. Yeah, so, I mean, like, what is the Texans offense going to do? Not really sure. Uh, the Chiefs, well, I love the I love Chiefs as a big favorite going under. A lot of times that happens at home. In these types of games, they just don't want to show a lot. And I think their defense, it, it's not going to take much to show up here, but they kind of got embarrassed last week by Russell Wilson. And, yeah, I think Chiefs will build a big lead here, sit on it, and uh, get the hell out of Dodge. And I think this total has gone up a bit too much, like 
it would say the Chiefs going to score 40. If they do, it's going to go over. But, you know, I think that they'll probably get like 31, 34 to, you know, let's call it like 31, 14, maybe 31, 17, even still stays under. So, yeah, now, now that this is at 49 and a half, I'm going to go under. Yeah. And remember, coming out of last week, no one really knew what the Texans were going to do with that Jeff Driscoll, Davis Mills platoon. Now you got some tape on it and yep. you also lose your best offensive player in Damian yep. Pierce. So I think, you know, Chris Moore probably not getting another 10 catches for buck 24 this time around. And uh, you think pass defense has been respectable. I think they are what 17th in DVOA and they, they don't really allow a ton. I mean, obviously on the ground they do, but if you're betting the chiefs under, you rather the chiefs get it that way. Yeah. They don't allow it. They just sit think and they, they're going to sit in just their cover too drop safeties and then just make the chiefs work it down the field which is just going to eat clock yep stuck is going chiefs texans under 49 and a half i'm going panthers steelers under 37 and a half now it's time for our favorite teaser of the week oh yeah six point teasers if you don't want me to Yeah, I actually, I'm going to switch it up. I'm, I'm going to have the same one as you. Originally, I was going to go with the Steelers, but Mason Rudolph is scaring me. I still might tease them maybe smaller with the with the Seahawks if just if I get involved in that game. But I'm going to go with the Bills down to minus one and a half and the Ravens up to plus eight and a half. Number one, the Ravens, like the total is 37 and, and, and the Bills total is 42, lower totals. You're teasing through the seven and three, which is what you want to do. The Dolphins are a mess on offense right now. And we know that their secondary is very poor. The Bills have historically over the past couple of years just absolutely dominated this Dolphins team. And they did earlier this year. And again, they lost due to cramps. They outgained them by like 250 yards. It was just a really fluky game. I'm sure the Bills have been waiting for this. The Dolphins also, you'll talk about conditions. We could get snow here, could get a snowver. I want to bring that up. If there's like the right amount of snow, and the total will keep coming down. And the wind doesn't really impact Josh Allen that much. But if there's the right amount of snow, you can't have like a blizzard. The total will keep coming down because everyone wants to bet the under. And then you wait till the bottom of the market and bet the over. That's what a snowver is. Historically, they're like 70%. It's subjective. You got to have to have the right amount of snow. So we won't know until like an hour before kick. And that's when you get like the bottom of the market. But the first game, the Bills cramped up. They had a bunch of starters out too and lost a couple during the game. Cramped up during that game. Well, now what are the what are the Dolphins going to do? They are number one. They were just at the 49ers, at the Chargers, and now they head to Buffalo in what 20 degree weather in December. The Dolphins last week in the stadium that you were in, they said it was cool. What was it, 50, 55 degrees? Yeah, they're using heaters. They were using heaters. What are they? I mean, now you're going to Buffalo for your what, third straight. This is a brutal spot for Miami. And uh, look, teams are now just taking away the middle of the field against Tua. They're just playing more press man and they're with inside leverage and they're dropping their linebackers back. Bill's one of the best coach teams in the NFL. Dolphins now, what, on like a short week, third straight road game, how much are they going to be able to fix? They're just teams are trying to make Tua throw to the sidelines and he can't do it. 
Um, so McDaniel's going to have to get in the lab and come up with something. I don't necessarily think it's this week. And now that you're going to throw wins in there for Tua, um, uh, I don't, I don't think it's going to end well for the Dolphins. Secondary is still really poor. Allen should get his. Bills get their revenge here. Um, and uh, the Ravens should keep this close. Stefanski, who's been awful, by the way, is a, a favorite and and within the division. Um, Ravens are healthier in the backfield. We saw Huntley in a game I was at last year take the Ravens all the way back against the Browns. And you know, you're getting eight and a half here. With the Ravens, um, much better special teams, better coach team. And uh, that defense is is trending up. They've been number one against the run since adding Roquan Smith. Deshaun Watson still doesn't look great. They've only scored 16 offensive points in two games since he's returned. Still think there's going to be some rust. Like This is like his third preseason game to me. So, yeah, I think the Ravens will keep this close. And for what it's worth, like the two – like I, I'm, I'm money on parlaying more teams. Well, I'll get to this when we get to the Chargers. Uh, that, that's my teaser. I think you agree, right? Yeah, so that's that's mine as well. Uh, with Buffalo, you know, had the circle does a revenge spot. Obviously, that was the famous, infamous Ken Dorsey throw everything game. But just you know, if you expect if you expect Buffalo to win this game and they are favored by seven and a half, you know, teasing them down. All nine of Buffalo's wins have come by three or more. So uh, you know, they they wouldn't get you. You know, if they win, they'll probably win by a field goal here. Uh, and then all five of Miami's losses have been by six or more. So when Miami loses, it's usually uh, you know, trends more toward the blowout than, you know, like a one score kind of very uh, close game at the end. And then the Ravens, the same way, you know, Cleveland's only won by uh, nine or more, which you would need to cover the tees for Cleveland in, in three of their 13 games. Uh, Cause they don't have any wins obviously, but Baltimore, all four of their losses have been by four points or less. So, uh, you know, I, I think even with Huntley, I think they'll be all right. You know, this run game, is uh it's it's getting back into shape and remember i think we talked about this last week huntley every one of his career games has been close i think he has i think he's like two and three in his starts you know obviously left last week but the losses are like by one one and three or something like that so baltimore just tends to play these close games hardball is 33 22 60 percent as a road dog in his career and uh in the division week 10 on 13 2 and 2 87 percent uh, and that's just covering, you know, the regular number, not even with the uh, with the six. And as you mentioned, Stefanski, four and 12 against the spread, 25 percent uh, in the division all time. So, yeah, like uh, like Buffalo, like Baltimore uh, with the added six. Yeah, I think Ravens will be able to run the ball here against uh, and they'll use their tight ends, um, which is what Huntley did to come back against the Browns last week. The Browns really weak at linebacker. I know the Ravens have lost some pieces for the year and I are, they've had some of the worst injury luck in the NFL and Lamar Jackson is out right now, but everyone else practiced today. They are really healthy and their defense is, I think one of the most underrated in the NFL right now, since adding Roquan Smith, since getting some of their depth pieces back, you know, on the edge. And then Marcus Williams came back last week. I think this defense is going to keep the Ravens in a lot of games. Um, And this one should be close. Yep. Uh, couldn't agree more. So those are, uh, our and I'll be there if we need if we need any inter- <laughs> uh, interference from yeah. If I need please. to run on the field, uh, might need to play quarterback. Uh, so yeah, Buffalo teasing them down from seven and a half to one and a half against Miami on Saturday, and then the Ravens also on Saturday teasing them down from uh, teasing them up from two and a half to eight and a half. Excuse me. 
All right, now it's time for a Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All right, yeah, you hit your eighth one last week. I'm still stuck on five. Uh, so uh, why don't you go first and tell the people where you're going this week? It's a really, really short underdog. Um, it's you know, By the time you listen to this, they're either going to be pick plus one, minus one. Um, I'm going to go with the Raiders here. I do think that – I think that there's um, some injury variants that could work in their favor here. Second straight road game for the Patriots who are banged up. And I just don't trust their offensive play calling right now. Last week, they got really fortunate against Arizona. I mean, Kyler Murray went down and then Arizona just had no offensive line. It was, I'm it was just, a, yeah, it was super careless with that. I mean, that could that changed the game when he fumbled. Yeah, it was uh, Arizona is a corpse. Um, and, and like they, it's it was just a game where they just, I think they quit, but. Yeah, so I think that the the Raiders, who still have playoff hopes here, they've, they're like in every game, and they've been up by 17 a bunch, and uh, I'm just not a believer in this Patriots offense right now, and the defense is very up and down. Like, their overall metrics are really good, but they'll have weeks where, like, they just don't look as good, and that's because of their youth. But on offense, look, you could be down Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris might still be out, Devontae Parker wasn't at practice today. Jacoby Myers could be out. Like they are, they are banged up on offense. They have some off- injuries on the offensive line. So yeah, I think that this. I make the Raiders, you know, like a two-ish, a little over a two-point favorite with some of the injuries because the Raiders also could get back Hunter Renfro. They could get Darren Waller back, uh, who both practiced today and came off IR. They need to basically win out to get to the playoffs. Which is wild because I, we were saying this last year, like the Raiders are dead, but they somehow did. They got to the playoffs, so I think that maybe they'll still have hope. I remember how dead the Raiders were last year, yeah. and they somehow got in the playoffs. So yeah, I think that they'll they'll show up here, and uh, I think that there's some value in going with the Raiders. I mean, they've kind of done this all year. You know, they lose these horrible games, and then they come back and they win games uh, that, after you kind of write them off. So yeah, I don't hate team. Yeah, Patriots are all kinds of banged up. Uh, I'm actually going with the, the Arizona Cardinals uh, plus 120 here against the Broncos. So this is kind of the time when I, I want to back the Cardinals. It's when they're on a the road. Cliff is actually 14. The, well, the Cardinals are 14 and eight straight up 64% on the road uh, under Cliff Kingsbury. So it's the one time where you know, they kind of exceed expectations. I, I, this Bronco team is super banged up too. Cortland Sutton looks like he's going to miss another week. We already talked about Russell Wilson. And, uh, and and even Kendall Hinton, who's been filling in at receiver, uh, he's not practicing with a hamstring. So, I mean, they could be down. Now, they're already down a bunch of running backs. They could be down a bunch of receivers. The, the one thing the Cardinals tend to, to do well is funnel the ball away from wide receivers. So, I don't think Judy's going to put up another three-touchdown game in this spot. And, uh, you know, this Bronco team, I mean, it's, you know, they, they had the good game against the Chiefs, but Russ got injured along the way. I don't trust Brett Rippon. To do the same, and I still think the Cardinals have enough talent, you know, with Hopkins and, and guys like that. In what's essentially going to be a toss-up, low-scoring game here, uh, I think the Cardinals get it done here as they usually do uh, on the road for whatever reason. So give me the Cards plus one twenty. I might go under in a Broncos game again. I mean, the, with the way the defense is playing, both of these offensive lines, by the way, are a mess. Mm-hmm. They're going to backup quarterbacks most likely. 
Like the Cardinals offensive line is legitimately a horror show. Um, and now you don't have Mario to run around. So that, yeah, that, I don't mind. Like this, this is a coin flip game. It's the script. Last week was the first game, but it was still the script. It was the Broncos losing a really close game. Um, and uh, that's probably they'll find a way to maybe lose another. This game could be like nine, six. Yeah. The only thing I, I mean, I worry about like if Rippin's starting, you know, you got to worry about turnovers. Yeah. yeah I mean, but you know, the, you I mean, could the also have turnovers like on the other side of the field, yeah. but yeah, there's more turnover variants here. Yeah, McCoy, the more likely like McCoy, yeah, he'll just get it out quick and average like five yards in attempt, but uh, you know, still have Hopkins, still have Brown. You have some explosion uh, for the Cardinals, but uh, all right. So if we parlay those two, we get uh, about a little over a three X payout. A hundred gets you back. Uh, 420, 320 plus the 100. So uh, hopefully we can, I can get back on the board. You've been, uh, you've been over 500 on these uh, to date. Now it's time for the best of the rest games we haven't covered in any other segment, but are still, as they say, meaningful to some. That's going to be a touchdown, but that may be meaningful to some of you. And you know who I mean. All right. First up, we got the Eagles at the Bears. Eagles favored by nine on the road, total 48 and a half. Justin Fields mispracticed Wednesday with an illness. Uh, Chase Claypool mispracticed as well with a leg injury, I believe it is. So not really sure what to expect of this Bear offense. Usually you want to fade teams like the Eagles who are just on this on a roll of scoring 30-plus. Uh, but I don't know what's going on with the Bears here. So uh, don't really have much here, but what about you? Yeah, I, I would lean Bears here. Can, but their defense is so bad. It's an awful spot for the Eagles. Like, they blow up the Giants. You know, you get the Cowboys on deck. You're going to Chicago. We talked about some of the Eagles' road struggles. Just haven't looked like the same team. And, you know, last week they get that fourth down pass, and they just, you're just playing from ahead. And that's you don't want to play the Eagles from behind. So can the Bears keep this close? And the Bears with fields generally all year have just, like, lost a ton of close games. Um, so they've been able to keep games close you know, sneaking back doors. And it's just because of him making plays, uh, but can their defense get any stops is the question. The defense, I mean, maybe you get guys like, you know, Kyler Gordon and Brisker back. I think they both practice today, but look at the bears defense, man. I mean, it's, it is just look at just, if you're a casual NFL fan to just pull up Google bears depth chart and look at their defense. Um, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know how bad it is. Um, so can they get any stops against the Eagles? Um, I don't know. Fields plays and Claypool plays. This not this number's a bit inflated for a bad spot for the Eagles. I, I'd I'd lean Bears. Maybe if it gets to ten, I'm definitely pulling. We'll see. Um, lean to the Bears. Watching injury report as of now. Uh, and then we got the Titans at the Chargers. Chargers favored by three at home. The total forty seven and a half. Uh, this Titans team just seems to be unraveling a lot of injuries. They are who I thought they were. Yeah, yeah um, hasn't looked good these last couple of weeks for them. I haven't had all the Titans fans who are flooding my messages <laughs> have disappeared uh, after the past couple of weeks of fading them. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chargers here. But by the way, like the games ending on two have increased in frequency over the past seven years, and because after the extra point has been moved back, and the Chargers always play these like weird games. I hate to have them try to win by margin, especially against like the Titans. Like they could easily like win this game on, you know, they tied at the end and go for two and win by one. 
So I'm going to, I'm going to, this will be my, by the way, instead of laying the two with the Lions last week, remember I money lined them with the, with the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Woo! Wow. Yeah. What a sweat. Well, I'm going to do the same thing this week. Uh, I'm going to part money line parlay the Chiefs with the Chargers. I don't trust the Chargers to win by more than three here. It, just ever. And like they'll miss an extra point or something weird will happen. But I do think that the Titans are sinking ship. So many injuries on that defense. Talked about Danico Autry. We'll see if he's back. But their secondary, they've had a ton of injuries. The offense, so Traylon Burks might not be back still. It's just nothing is going right. And I think the Chargers are uh, – look, they're going to get gashed a bit in the run game, that's for sure. Maybe they'll get a couple of defenders back. I think their defense really played up last week. I think they can carry that momentum over. And then I think the Chargers' offense is extremely underrated. If you look at their season-long metrics, there's it obviously looks really poor. But some of those games, they didn't have Corey Lindsley, who's so important to this offensive line. One of the reasons I loved the Chargers last week. Also, you didn't have, you know, Mike Williams. You didn't have Keenan Allen. If you just isolate games when they're both on the field at the same time, it's top five offense EPA per play this year. And you saw that in full effect last week. Also, Justin Herbert wasn't fully healthy for long stretches of this season. And he certainly looked it last week. Uh, So I think the Chargers find a way to get this win. Uh, I'm gonna money line them with the Chiefs, and uh, hopefully I don't have to sweat a Texans Texans at the goal line late. Yeah, this, I mean this Titan defense is kind of falling apart. They, they're still good against the run, but I just don't think they have enough guys in, at corner right now to to cover this fully healthy Charger team. Like it, it's a good matchup for Tennessee in terms of yeah they can run. The Chargers are terrible in run D, but. Uh, I, you know, we saw Derrick Henry go off in the first half last week, and what it was still a sixteen-point game. So, uh, yeah, I think it, this is, you know, this is a brable spot, you know, when he's a dog by a field goal or more. But this Titan team just, I think this Charger team is kind of trending up right now with the injury luck and health, and kind of seems trending the other way. Could get Joey Bosa back too, for what it's worth. All right, that is going to wrap it up for the Week 15 Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Be sure to check out Stucky on Twitter at Stucky2 and me at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app where you can follow our bets uh, and track yours as well. ActionNetwork.com for all of our betting content and FancyWebs.com for our DFS tools and models. Until next time, let's get this money. Go Ravens. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.